You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And Mike, we finally reached the point where nothing's happening. This is like the only time of the year where nothing's going on in the NFL. You say, get away for a little bit before, of course, things ramp back up again to your players. And of course, that doesn't mean that that we're going to take any time off. Or at no, least not, not serious time off. No, I mean, it's a downtime. And you wake up today and it's like 30 degrees outside. What is this It's stuff? like football weather. Whole, yeah, yeah. And there's no football. But, you know, we, we digress. But no, they, they had their final minicamp. Uh, last week, and Frank Reich huddles them up and says, basically, great off season, take a week off, and then sort of get back on their their regimen that they give each player. Each player has a specific uh, workout schedule to follow. It, it's they they use with Rusty Jones and Rich Howell, and, and they really really like Frank Reich said. We we think we can get a competitive advantage over this next five weeks if these players do what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. so it, it's but but in in the grand scheme of the nfl calendar this is the off season for the most part the the only the only news from now until july 25th is bad news yeah, it, it, just, it just is <laughs> somebody did something they should have shouldn't have uh the league found something so this is where Chris Bowder does not like that call at 10 o'clock at night saying, uh, by the way. David Perry wrecked a golf cart oh into God. a... It's, and I tell you, it's, it's, it's time and time again. It, it's, and it's going to happen. I'm not saying with the Colts, but it's going to happen where some player did something. And it's either going to be at 2 o'clock in the morning or booze is going to be involved. Because that's, mm-hmm. it's, it, that, that's what happens. But, but th- this, this is when the NFL, which is so so masterful of PR and keeping its brand in the news. It's crazy. Uh, but th- this is the downtime. But like you said, we we still soldier on. So here we are. We have one or two more things to talk about. Of course, the Colts this week did announce, speaking of continuing that PR machine going, announced the training camp schedule for this fall, once again at Westfield's Grand Park. It'll run from July 25th through August 15th. Free to attend, just like it has been, uh, was last year, I guess I should say. But got to print off your tickets from the Colts website. So you get a ticket, but it's a free ticket. Nevertheless, they just want to keep track of the numbers of people that are coming in so that they can know those numbers. And fan-friendly training camps, Mike, are not as um, common as they used to be in the past. Training camp used to be around the league, uh, a time where was really open almost everywhere, if not for every team. Right now, that's not the case, but the Colts are still staying on board. Well, they have the past couple years that, hey, it's an open camp and fans can basically come out to, to any session. I think I saw Philly cut it back. They're having one open session. That's right. That, that's just crazy. It's This is the time. I, I've talked to Chris Ballard about this. This is the time from a team standpoint that, that you can connect with your fan base. And anyone who's been to a training camp, they have scheduled autograph sessions with you know these three players, but after practice, players go to the you know to the stands, and they stand there for twenty minutes and they sign autographs. And I'm not I'm not talking number ninety on the on the roster. I'm talking the main players, Luck and Marlon Mack, and, and on and on and on. They're they're going to sign autographs. The NFL is a little different than the other major sports because. In baseball and basketball, you can see the player. You, you know what he looks like. Well, in football, for the most part, these guys are have helmets on. This is a time that, that, that fans can sort of get to know the players. And for for teams to not take advantage of that, you want to say, what are you doing? And to me, it's not it's not necessarily your season ticket holders that you're reaching out to. It's the bulk of your fan base that can't afford – a season ticket, or what's it? What's it cost to take a family of four to a ball game on a Sunday? I don't know, three, four hundred dollars at least. I would say, yeah. So th- th- this is when you sort of say, here, be part of us, and, and I don't want to overblow it on what, but but it, it lets the fans sort of connect to players that they normally won't. And for teams that cut back on that, I just want to know what they're thinking. And something that Chris Ballard, even in his first year here, I'm sure you remember, Mike. 
that uh, a couple years ago, they had training camp at the complex. He and hated basically, it. exactly. He hated it. Nothing was open. They had two open practices one at Lucas Oil Stadium, one at Warren Central. But that was something all always that Ballard wanted to reinstitute was a, was a, training camp in front of the fans and now the second year in a row Westfield which certainly seemed like a pretty good facility last year I know they're changing some things up this year in terms of where the Colts city and everything is going to be you can find some details and schedules at fox59.com cbs4indy.com I know that there's still some things in the works but nevertheless what we know about training camp you can find it all there some highlights for this year's camp there's going to be some joint workouts with the Cleveland Browns Uh, on August 14th and 15th, the last two days, really, of training camp before the preseason game on August 17th against the Browns at Lucas Oil Stadium. You can get different teams across the league to come in, and obviously it's regional usually. It's like Bengals, Browns, or I guess they did the Ravens before because the Ravens were coming in for that game, but so maybe it's not super regional. But um, anyway, with, with the Browns, you get a team that, like the Colts, has, by many expert predictions, had one of the best off-seasons in the league. They come in, they get a lot of, excuse me, they get uh, they get Odell Beckham, they get another year uh, under Baker Mayfield, uh, they get a bunch of offensive weapons, so that's a team that's going to be trying out some new tricks, and uh, it should be a good good test, you would think, for the Colts, and an exciting time for the fans to see two teams that had good off-season seeing, hey, what we what can we do this year? And I think joint workouts uh, are is, is going to be the new trend. I mean, it's it's growing and growing. I mean, the Colts uh, went back and looked. Uh, the Browns this year, Baltimore last year, which was good and bad. If you remember, they got kind of nasty. A little bit. But I, and, and I, remember, I go back and remember where Frank Reich said, well, this is not what we want. And it, well, you know, I think a part of that, Kind of. I think he kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. his team standing up to the Ravens. I, I really think there was a measure of, we're not going to back down from you guys. So I think, yeah, you don't want fighting and all that, but I think he really uh, liked the fact that his team didn't back down. Uh, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, Tennessee. I remember in 97 and 99, uh, they, they had joint workouts with the Rams in Champaign. I, I can't remember 97 was in Champaign or not, but it's just always it's it's about the time when you're simply tired of leaning on your own teammates. Right. You, you want to go against somebody else, and it does. If if each team approaches it the same way, now you've got to make sure that the way that the team coming in runs its practices as far as hitting and you know h- how much is enough. You've got to have the same philosophy, but there's very little downside to having. Joint workouts, and, and it is always that la- or that la- last week of camp to where then you take a day off, then you play that team in the preseason. So this will be it'll be a fun week for the Colts that week. I mean, when it comes to physicality, and you brought it up last year, the just the de- the deal with the Ravens. I mean, the AFC North historically is uh, one of the tougher right. divisions in football. Oh yeah. So you bring in the Ravens or the Steelers when you those know, two you teams know play. what you're getting exactly, and the Browns are. I mean, they've been trying to work their way up to that level uh, and the Bengals as well who've been in the playoffs from time to time um, but the Browns are trying to work their way up so they they might come in with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove say the, the same thing so I, I would expect probably a, a pretty high intensity couple of days of practice there well for oh, the yeah. for the fans it, it's you've got the two darlings of the offseason yep I mean these two teams when you when you look at the the teams that are that the teams are that the analysts are looking at it's a Colts and it's a Browns and Again, it's just going to be. You got great personalities, and you want to see how you you, you match up. But th- this will be a fun week, and I'm sure they'll get a lot of good work before they play them on that Saturday. One um, news of note, one piece of news from the Colts this week again is that they have lost their VP of Player Personnel, Rex Hogan, hired by the Jets as the assistant general manager over there in New York. So. Uh, Rex can get right to work. Don't know how much work he can do exactly right now with the Jets because again, it's yeah, the dead cake, period. The cake's made exactly. I mean, so here's here's your team. Yeah, maybe he goes over and takes a little vacation right away. Congratulations. The, the, this is one of the uh, the downsides of having a good organization is people want your people, whether it's your free agents or whether it's your coordinators. We saw last year there was interest in Eberflus and Sirianni. This. This sort of tells Ballard and Reich 
that they're doing things the right way because people want to poach your personnel and your, your talent. I guess on the other side of that same coin, if you're doing things the right way, the right people are going to want to work for you, too. Well, everybody's right. going to want to work for you. So you see, you see people leave. That's not... That doesn't mean that, oh, throw our hands up in the air. My goodness, there are great people are leaving. How are we ever going to be able to, to, to be the same? I mean, you look at a program, I say program, look at a franchise like the Patriots that's been good for 20 years now, it seems, ever since Brady got there. I mean, people have come in, people have left. People have come in, people have left. You've had different guys, different offensive coordinators, different defensive coordinators, different people in the front office moving in, moving out. It starts with... The very top with Belichick uh, and Brady, with, exactly, and just and, and Kraft. If, I mean, if you're under the very top, and for the Colts, it starts again at the top. It needs to be the culture set by the very leaders, the foundational people of this franchise: Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Andrew Luck. Those four guys right there. If those four are here, there's no need to raise the white flag when even good people leave the organization. I would say, and and that that'll be the test if and when that ever comes in New England. What what happens when Belichick and Brady leaves? Are are you gonna be able to maintain not that level of success, but a level of success, or will they fall back to where they were? Those of us who have been around long enough, back in the eighties and nineties, the Patriots and Colts were awful. Mm-hmm. They would play six to three games, and they were they were every bit that awful. So it's the the whole thing to get a good organization, whether it's losing your VP of player personnel or your quarterback or whatever is. How do you carry on? Now, again, with a quarterback, it's a little different because you, you've got to replace that guy with somebody that's competent. But the quality franchises, and again, New England's the aberration, is how how do you carry on when you lose key personnel? I, I'm very interested to see in five years what New England is. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to know what the Colts are because, again, Luck, in five years, he's going to be 35, 36 Still, some quality years ago, but at at some point, it's kind of like with with the Colts in New England. We knew most of us felt that when Peyton Manning, when that reign ended, it was going to be bad for a year or two, just because of the way that team was built. And Bill Polian, probably rightly, tried to squeeze every last ounce of talent in in. in all of that out of that franchise, and it got old and injured very quickly. But if you build it the right way, you know you can carry on. You're not going to have that big drop off. I just I wish I had a time machine. I'd love to see New England in five years. I imagine that the same thing that that you're thinking. The Colts are probably set. I mean, set not like the Patriots. I don't want to compare them to the Patriots. I was just bringing that up as 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 an example. So don't. Don't at me comparing the Colts franchise <laughs> to the Patriots franchise right now because that I mean that they were they're in a category in their own. But nevertheless, it's just a good good um, good thing to hold them up to and see. Hey, this is kind of how the best in the league have done it. This is uh, something that the Colts certainly probably have on their mind to try to be the best. And again, that, that's why when you're if you're going to have that sustained success, that you have to draft well, you have to resign your. It's sort of what they're doing here. Here we are. Patting Chris Bauer on the back to where it's we're going to leave bruises, but this is how this is how you sustain success: is you draft well, you re-sign your own Kenny Moore and, and the punter and the long snapper and Pierre Desir and, and blah 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 blah. That's how you do it. The, and, and then it really gets down to: can you maintain your five or six core players, the Andrew Lux and the T. Y. Hiltons and you know, maybe Costanzo down the road, but that's what carried the Colts through the 2000s by, by targeting your five or six or eight core players, and they always re-signed their own, and it worked. And it, it worked until it didn't. Well, and I mean, it's continuity, right? I mean, I believe Belichick's the longest tenured coach in the league, and everyone, oh, absolutely. all the players except for Brady have gone and left, but the success is still there. So it'll be interesting to see, hopefully, Frank Wright and Chris Ballard can stick around as long and build that same kind of year-in and year-out program. Right. Does anybody know who the second longest tenured coach is off the top of your head, who it might be? It was That's just Marvin a, Lewis. Uh-huh. It's Pete Carroll? Might be Carroll. It might be Harbaugh in Baltimore. He's been there right. for a while. That that's Joe, Joe, look that up. I was Come just on. curious. You know, quick... Uh, 
quick tri- trivia question. Well, when you have like seven or eight coaches every year, exactly change. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I may stick with. Har- I like Harbaugh. Uh huh. But uh, former Philadelphia mm. Eagles special teams coach John Harbaugh. Harbaugh's the third. Ooh. I'll give you guys more guesses for the Ooh. second. It's more obvious than you'd think. Oh, okay. If I had the standings in front of me, uh, yeah, right. NFC. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, Sean Payton. No. Oh, oh boy. Shame on we're me. gonna we're gonna be very upset when we hear this. Joe's like, oh, it's Mike Tomlin. It is Tomlin. Okay, I wouldn't have put him above Harbaugh though. Yeah. I, I really thought Harbaugh was there longer. So Tomlin must Tomlin be Tomlin just a year or two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty close. It's yeah. like one year. Okay. And, that, and it's a franchise that's had three coaches since like the seventies. Yeah. Right. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike, Mike Tomlin. Tomlin. You talk about continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, that's the uh, there are a lot of continuity in the uh, the AFC North there. But uh, we're going to continue our AFC South preview here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We did the Houston Texans last week. We are moving on to probably the next two. Uh, We're likely going to have time for both of them, I would imagine. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who two years ago were darlings of the league and one third down stop away from a bid in the Super Bowl. And then last year came and they kind of became the Jaguars again a little bit. Fell back to earth. They were who we thought they were. <laughs> As the great Denny Green said. Um, Jaguars offense in 2018 scored the second fewest points per game in the NFL. Just over 15. Sixth fewest yards per game. Fifth most turnovers. Allowed the third most sacks. Not a recipe for offensive success. So what do you do? You finally, finally... Cut the cord on Blake Bortles. You'd and that you cut off the head of the chicken. I was gonna say that that Mike is the one thing that either people had been either clamoring for or expecting the past couple years. Finally now, goodbye, Blake Bortles. That era is over. So we're gonna find out was he the problem? Exactly. That's and, the, and it's gonna be yes or no. And I I've trashed Blake Bortles as much as anybody because I just thought he was such a liability. Looking here, his record as a starter. 24 and 49. And that takes into account the 10 and 6. The other years he was 3 and 10, 5 and 11, 3 and 13, 3 and 9. He 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 was my poster boy for what's wrong at quarterback when you think you have the guy and you don't. I don't want to say they wasted 5 years because they went to the title game that one year. But the other 4 years they they just didn't have it right in in a lot of times he was the reason. 75 interceptions, 90, or was it touchdowns? Uh, was it 90 touchdowns, whatever it was? 103 touchdowns, but the 75 interceptions, and he had to set some kind of a record for pick sixes. So he, he was always the guy that, that seemed to not do the right things, but part of me just wonders, we, we may see how dysfunctional that franchise is mm-hmm. now that They've gotten rid of the guy that was easy to dump on, and there's still some dysfunction on that roster. You bring up dysfunction, and just this week, literally this week, um, Jalen Ramsey was in— That's one of the guys I'm thinking about. I I say the name, and boom. um, Jalen Ramsey was in an Instagram Live chat with uh, his teammate Leonard Fournette, Another guy you That's might be thinking That's the other guy. Hey! Both of them. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, but anyway, Jalen was saying— he basically, Jalen basically said that since the Jaguars did not come to him with a contract extension this year, and uh, he's, he's on his fifth year right now of his rookie contract, so it's his last year of his rookie deal. Since the Jaguars did not come with at least an acceptable contract extension in his mind, he said you can throw the hometown discount out the window. When they come to him next year, he said it's going to be, quote, an ungodly number. That, that's what, what he said publicly on an Instagram live chat with one of his teammates with, I don't know, a thousand people watching and thousands more have seen it and read it since then. So he's basically putting the Jaguars on blast, as the kids say, right now before the season even, season even starts, trying to drum up the drama immediately. Which is what you don't want. Exactly. I mean, it'll be there when the time comes and you, you can be PO'd that they haven't made the effort here here you get the Colts you know extending guys before they need to extend them and all that and let's let's keep in mind Jalen Ramsey is a quality quality player very good he really is but boy you start talking your way out of town before the season starts 
And again, we mentioned Fournette. I mean, Fournette was he was either suspended or benched near the end of last season. He was hurt a lot too. Well, but th- this was yeah. This was when remember that maybe he had been out in Coffin didn't like the way they were they were sitting on the bench, disinterested, whatever. Correct. And I'm not so sure Ramsey wasn't uh, disciplined or whatever. Maybe that was during training camp. If there's anyone who's going to discipline someone, it's Tom Coughlin. Oh, he's, he's the guy that if, if, it's a ten, if it's a 10 o'clock meeting, you get there at 10 till. Yep. And if you're not there at that time, you're late. Yep. 10 minutes earlier, you're late. So I, I, you look at that roster, and it just has talent. I think primarily defensive talent. Yes. But I just I look at that, and I'm thinking – Yes, Blake Bortles was a problem, but it, last year I thought was so much deeper than Blake Bortles. And one thing that could have really been a problem was they couldn't protect Blake Bortles last year, and their offensive line was riddled with injuries last season. Left tackle Cam Robinson tore his ACL in Week 2 last year. He had a pretty good rookie season, so that was his second year. Boom, gone early in the year. Uh, Pro Bowl guard Andrew Norwell missed the final five games with an ankle injury. Uh, center Brandon Linder suffered a season-ending knee injury in Week 10. So you lost a lot of talent right there in front of you. One of them early in the year, the other two a bit later in the year after a lot of the troubles had kind of sprung up. But nevertheless, if you can't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter who's back there. It's, it's going to be difficult for you no matter what. And again, just the, you can do what you want with the stats. Their leading rusher last year, Fournette, 439 yards. Your leader. Oof. Uh, leading receiver, D.D. Westbrook, 66 for 717. And then Yeldon and then Dante Moncrief. Moncrief! Who's so, now gone? His third team in three years. He's going to P- Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Yes. He's, we, we, t- we talked. He, at the, we'll be Feed talking about Moncrief. him in 10 years. He's have a long, long career. Celebrating third the, and seven catches right. when your team is down by 20 points. Right. Sorry, continue. So, so, so I, I, again, I look at, I look at the, the, the roster and, and the way they're built. They want to be a ground and pound with, with Fournette. But like you said, he's been injured. He averaged three point three last year. I, I just, I like their, I really like their defense. And I went back and looked, and remember last year the Colts split with them. Mm-hmm. One here twenty nine. Well, what a disaster that loss was last uh, year. The I six to nothing loss. Can't even. Holy smokes! I still can't comprehend how that loss happened. Their defense was good. I'll give them that. But I have, I still don't know. Well, the, the uh, Jags had 132 yards in total offense. Yep. But that was the game. I wish I looked at that just to refresh my memory, but that's one where Frank went for it. He he, he passed up field goals, yes. and, and, he yeah. went, and he went. And I, th- I still think in, in, to this day that he thought, if we score a touchdown, they're not going to beat us. Right. Well, the problem which is – would have been right. But. would have been right. <laughs> but when you passed up one, and then if I'm not mistaken, they passed up one at the goal line – Got the ball back in good field position and and again didn't score off of it. And, Correct. But they 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 won twenty nine twenty six and lost six to nothing. This was the Cody Kessler game too, right? It may, yes, I think it was. Yeah, he was he was rushing the ball a right. lot, so we right. dropped back and he would just run for ten yards like every right. time. Yep. But they they, they scored twenty nine points in the first half here in India against them, and then they were shut out the last uh, after the last three uh, the last three halves. So Jacksonville's always played these guys tough. It's it's they've been a team that sort of smacks you in the face, and they want to see how you're going to respond. So I don't want to say Jacksonville's got their number because they don't, but they've won five of the last seven. And uh, I always try to go, well, how is it with luck? Well, they're eight. The Colts are eight and six with luck, but they've got to break that trend where Jacksonville sort of come out and bully them the last few years, and that's that's got to end. And it's really the defense, of course, that does the bullying. The fourth fewest points allowed the Jaguars' defense last year across the NFL. So as disappointing as the offense was, the defense really still held up their end of the bargain, especially since the offense couldn't stay on the field and they were out there so much more. Fifth fewest yards allowed. The one thing that was different last year than the year before – just 22nd in sacks was Jacksonville. They had 37. That was down from 55 in 2017, which was the second most in the league. So they couldn't get after the quarterback quite make, as much. Make plays that make a difference. And, and the really good defensive teams do that. And it also helps that they didn't have a 10-sack performance against the Colts like they had two years ago here at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. So that, Jacoby Brissett probably still wakes up at night sweating over that game. Ah, Telvin Smith. Ah, Malik Jackson. Oh, Telvin's not going to play, though, this year. Another former Florida State standout, like uh, Jalen Ramsey, Telvin will not be playing the 2019 season, announced he needs to get his world in order, quote-unquote. 
And uh, this is now the second year in a row the Jaguars have lost a pretty good linebacker. Paul Puzlesny retired after the 2017 season. Now you're out. Telvin Smith, former fifth-round pick, turned into a pro bowler pretty early in his career. He's a guy that you're going to miss and is a guy that really does well out of the backfield um, and is a good cover guy as a linebacker. Fast, aggressive. um, So they're going to miss him, no doubt. And again, Jackson was a team that they sort of went all in on free agency over those, maybe not so much last year as I remember, but the two or three years before that with Malik Jackson's and the corner from Houston, uh, A.J. AJ Boye. 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 Campbell. And, and, and they invested heavily, and they got pretty good pretty good returns on the players, but the offense never could quite do what it needed to do. And that's, again, we, we go back to, it's great, you know, we talked about it with Houston last week. You've got a great defense, great defensive players, but when the offense is 15th, 20th, or, or, or worse, it just makes it so hard to win enough. For the Jacksonville front, it's probably still going to be a pretty dangerous front, even though they cut defensive tackle Malik Jackson. They still have their first-round pick from last year, Taven Bryan, defensive tackle, trying to fill the void there in the middle. They've still got Yannick Ngakwe at one edge. And at the other edge now, they're going to have Josh Allen, seventh overall pick in this year's NFL draft, who many people, myself included, were surprised to see him fall down to number seven, Joe. I know in your mock draft, I think he went higher than that. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think most people I saw him going four or five somewhere, but he fell all the way down to seven, and the Jaguars quickly took him. Yeah, it was kind of surprising to see Oakland pass on him. Instead, Mm -hmm. they went with Cleveland Farrell, which surprised a lot of people that night. Um, it was just kind of what type of defensive end they wanted. Farrell's got a little more power to his game, whereas Allen is the guy who will quickly dip and get around you. Um, he can drop back in coverage as well. He's kind of that 3-4 outside linebacker in college, so maybe he can help replace Telvin Smith a little bit, but they're still going to miss what Smith gave them. Well, the defensive side, still some questions there. I'd imagine they're probably going to be top 10 in the league again, though. They do have enough talent back to at least expect them to be among the league's best. Offense certainly going to be a question mark, as it has been in years past. It starts at the quarterback with Blake Bortles gone. The Jaguars went out and signed free agent Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, Philly special Nick Foles, a four-year, $88 million deal. I know some people have uh, asked me, as someone who grew up in Philadelphia and is, I don't want to say plugged into the Eagles, but knows, knows more about the Eagles than many people do, um, just would the Eagles ever consider keeping Nick Foles and trading away a guy like Carson Wentz? The answer was always no to that. The Eagles had their guy in Wentz, even though Foles won the Super Bowl for them and did exceptionally well that year. They were always all in on Wentz, and they just re-signed him this offseason. Uh, but Foles was always going to get an opportunity elsewhere. It comes down to Jacksonville, and and I just... I don't know if he's going to be successful. He's he's a guy that's different than Bortles in the fact that he is not as aggressive with the ball. He had that one year a couple years ago in his first stint with Philadelphia where he threw something like 26, 28 touchdowns and only had two, three, or four, two interceptions that one year. There it is. Yep, that was with Chip Kelly that year. He does not force it. He will hold it and get sacked. Too much in people's eyes. 28 sacks that year as well. So He needs to be protected. And that's why I brought up the offensive... I refer back to our offensive line discussion. That's a decent offensive line if it stays healthy. It wasn't last year. It's going to need to stay healthy because Foles is a guy who just needs more time. And if he gets time, he's very, very good. One, one thing to keep in mind about Nick Foles, he, he's, he's sort of benefited from just playing a little. But he's played very well, but he mm-hmm. started he started nine games the last three years. Right. Total. Some for Frank Reich. Correct. So now he's played very well at what he's uh three, seven and two the last three years and in the great playoff run. So you you think you know what you're getting, but a lot of times the, the more a guy plays over the course of a season then you see you know some warts you didn't you didn't think expect to be there, but again, like you said, in in 2013 had the great season. So, I, I, but however you look at it, we we can nitpick Foles all we want. Mm-hmm. He's going to be an upgrade. He simply is. Well, the thing that's really concerning about Nick, Nick Foles this season to me is he doesn't have the weapons he did in Philadelphia. I mean, you think back to the Super Bowl, 
He's throwing 50-yard bombs to Alshon Jeffries going up and catching it over the defender. He's got a top tight end in the league in Zach Ertz. He doesn't have any of that in Jacksonville. So for a guy who really, I don't want to say he relies on his playmakers to go up and make plays for him, but who kind of benefited from a lot of 50-50 balls with mm-hmm. the Eagles, he doesn't have that here in Jacksonville. So what? He, go ahead, Mike. The receivers, Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, good players. Marquise Lee missed all of last year. Again, right. I think it was an ACL injury, right. but it was a preseason injury. You know, in the tight ends, uh, Jeff Swain, Josh Oliver. Uh, so, And again, they, they just so much need Fournette to be the guy to come in, yep. play 14 games, get you – I don't know, 1,100, 1,200 yards, and just be the 20-carry-a-game guy. And if he's not, you know, Alfred Blue shows you flashes, but this league is about moving the ball in chunks, and I, I agree with Joe. I don't know. Keelan Cole shows you some things. He could be a pretty good player, but who's your stud? I, I don't know. I don't think they have one. I do like Chris Conley. I, I don't put him as a stud, but he's been able to do some good things in Kansas City in limited time. I, I like that signing, but again, there's there's nobody that jumps off the page there. And like you said, Mike, I, I really do think the Jaguars are still trying to be the ground and pound, control the clock, control the time, um, win more so with defense, and don't screw it up on offense. And that was what Blake Bortles always did. He just he screwed it up too much. And it wasn't just an interception. It was a pick six. Yeah. That, which, that, which that's the problem. Deathly. Deathly. Because then you, I mean, they get the pick six, you get the ball back, and then maybe you turn it over again. <laughs> right. It happened too many times. So. But, but all that we said, there's no question that Nick Foles will be an upgrade. But I just want to see how, is he good enough to, 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 to bring the team together and to where team dysfunction isn't quite so much of a dysfunctional mess as it was last year. It starts at the top, like we've always said. It starts with ownership. It starts with coaching staff. So is Doug Marone still the coach there in Jacksonville? I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he left. So Doug Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin. This is got to be driving Tom Coughlin crazy. Yeah, this is Mister Discipline. This is exactly the opposite of what you would associate with. He's Tom trying Coughlin. to herd a bunch of cats uh-huh. in his backyard, and it's just not working. You you guys know what else uh, is similar between Tom Coughlin and uh, Doug Marone? No. They both went to Syracuse, Syracuse. University. Jeez. I just had to sneak that one in there. Steve, <sighs> Steve Ishmael. My guy. Marvin Harrison. Dwight Freeney. My guy. My guy. James Mungro. I like James Mungro. Yeah, I was Mr. He, short was, yardage. Exactly. Yeah. Get I mean, the job done. He had a heck of a career at Syracuse. You, you wait till, again, you wait till the Colts. Bring in that Ball State guy. I'm going to hammer you to death. <laughs> I, don't care if he's just, I don't care if he's just practice squad. Sorry, Jonathan Newsom, no longer. Oh, Anthony sorry. Wimbush had his opportunities. He, he's been yeah, tryout yeah. in practice squad or something the past I'm, couple of years. I'm talking a stud that actually yeah. plays in a couple of games. Well we'll, we'll we'll see if Ball State can produce a stud. That'd be fantastic. I would love it. I would encourage you, unlike the lack of encouragement that I feel from both of you right now <laughs> in my love of my school. But anyway. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, We'll move on as well to uh, the last of our other three AFC South opponents, the Colts' other three AFC South opponents, I should say, which is the Tennessee Titans. Came down to the final game last year with the Colts. They were one step away from the playoffs. Um, They have been at the doorstep of the playoffs uh, for several years, it seems like. Um, But last year could not quite get over that hump. Did they make the playoffs last year, two years ago? No. Two years ago, I think they did. I think they did. Yeah, yeah they 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 snuck in there as one of the um, but they're not, they're, teams. they're they're nine and seven personified, right? That, that that's yes, exactly. Which is what they were last year. Um, offense for the Titans last year averaged the sixth fewest points per game in the league, the eighth fewest yards per game, gave up the tenth most sacks. Um, and somehow their offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, was hired as Green Bay's head coach. I have no idea what they're doing. I don't know. But, I mean, the last time Green Bay hired a coach and Mike McCarthy, it was the same thing. It was, what are you doing with this guy who was, I think it was with San Francisco before um, before he went to Green Bay. I could be wrong I about that. Correct. But, I, yeah, I'm about 90% sure. Um, but that that offense was nothing to write home about. He gets hired by Green Bay. They go off and win a Super Bowl. But... He also had Aaron Rodgers, and that helps out considerably. It's amazing how a quarterback, an elite quarterback, can can carry you places. And the Titans had hoped they would have an elite quarterback right now. 
going into his fifth year out of Oregon, Marcus Mariota, who uh, Chip Kelly, whose name was brought up earlier, wanted to sell the farm away to to try to move up in the draft and get Mariota to run his offense in the Second NFL. Second overall in 2015. Right behind Jameis Winston. So the topic that year, the argument was Winston or Mariota, Winston or Mariota. Well, neither of them have really been stellar in their first couple years. I think Winston's probably edged him out a little bit, especially in production. He's still throwing for a lot of yards uh, down there in Tampa, and even if they're not winning games. Mariota maybe has more wins, but still Mariota can't stay on the field, number one. He gets hurt every year, can't finish a season. And number two has been dreadful against the Colts and cannot beat Andrew Luck, which has just been mind-boggling that somehow the Colts have Mariota's number, Mike. We, we joked, not joked, but you point out that since Luck's been here, we the Colts always saw the best Blake Bortles yep. and the worst Marcus Mariota. Every year. Since since 2012, the Colts are 12-2 and two against the Titans. And the only two wins is when Luck missed the season. Yep. So, you know, in Mariota's 2-4 and four against the Colts, and the two wins came when, the, when Luck, Luck didn't was play. Gone. So, yeah, it, it's really... Uh, Squirrely how these teams match up or don't match up. Again, I, I sort of think that Jacksonville has the edge on the Colts until proven otherwise. And until proven otherwise, Tennessee, they're, they're just trading everybody. They, they just have to get their act together. And it so much goes back to the quarterback. He's he, he's only missed four, five, six, seven, eight games in four years, which stuns me that, that that's all it is. Right. But how many games doesn't he finish? Mm-hmm. He's 27 and 28 as a starter. Again, the, the team personifies 9 and 7, and that's what he personifies. He's just, okay, I mean, you, you, you like better, but you can do worse. Well, that's not what you want at quarterback. You, and they brought in, what, Ryan Tannehill as their backup? Exactly. Is he an upgrade? I don't know. Maybe. He might be, which is you know, a, a pretty backhanded compliment that, that Mariota may be feeling heat from Ryan Tannehill. I was going to. I wanted to ask that question. I don't think that's a specifically a uh, an open competition exactly in camp. Mariota is your starter when you go into Week One. I don't think there's anything that he could do to lose the job or Tannehill could do to gain the job. The only thing that could happen is if he comes in in the middle of the year when Mariota is injured and starts performing better. Do you, do you think that's the same, or does Tannehill have a shot to be the week one starter? Boy, wouldn't you think it would take an awful training camp? Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then they went into training camp thinking it was open competition. Yeah. Which, that that speaks volumes of what they feel about Mariota. I, I've got to believe it's his job to lose. I would think so, for and sure. perhaps, you know, even through injury, because, you know, it's the old saying that you don't lose your job by injury. Well, if a guy gets hurt and, and the guy comes in and plays well, I'm not changing horses. I'm I'm sticking with who yeah. I, who's going hot. So you know, tell that to Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> correct. True. And and Trent Green with Kurt Warner. That's uh, right. That one year. Yeah. So so again, I, I I just the Titans are such a hard team to get a grip on because you think they've got the right people in the right places, and I think they lack a lot of well, they do they they lack star power. You know, we talked about Houston being they just they blind you with the brilliance of four or five six players. Who's who? Who are the Titans' shining stars? I mean, Delaney Walker, uh, Jarrell Casey. I would say. Well, mm-hmm. uh, correct. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But we're talking one or two guys. Mariota can't put there. No. So it's Derrick Henry showed flashes. Right. But th- that's why I, I I like maybe top to bottom what they've got. But you've got to have star power, and they just. To this point, don't have it, or it's not emerged yet, other than Gerald Casey. They've also lacked consistency from the top right now, and we've we've talked about this several times in, in today alone. How much a consistent um, culture defining um, coaching staff and front office and ownership matters, and the Titans have had. Um, how many coaches since 2011? Four different coaches, head coaches since 2011. So Mike Munchak was there 2011 to 2013. Ken Wisenhunt 2014-2015. Mike Malarkey 2015 to 2017. And last year, Mike Vrabel uh, coached in his first year. Who I, You can't say he did a bad job because he's 9-7. He won more than he lost in his first year as a head coach in the NFL. That's nothing to sneeze at, but um, I'd imagine that he would he would want to win a couple more uh, with with what they have this year. I don't know how easy it's going to be to do, especially if the Jaguars take a step back into contention 
given the uh, division that they're in, I don't know how many more wins are, are there to be had for the Titans, given the Colts and Texans are playoff teams a year ago, and I think the Jaguars are probably just a touch ahead of them, talent-wise for sure, in the head-wise maybe not, but nevertheless on the field, I would expect the Titans probably to be your... I, I, that's what I think, at least. Maybe I put too much stock in the Jaguars. Maybe I look in their, at their talent too much, but I, I, I just don't th- see how it could be worse than it was last year when everything blew up in their face off the field that resulted in on-the-field uh, deficiencies. So I, I think the Titans are kind of put bringing up the rear in the division, in my uh, opinion. Until out, I, I agree. I think it's, it's Houston and the Colts. You could argue w- which one should be above. I think probably the Colts are, are a notch ahead. Jacksonville, I just have to believe that Foles makes that much of a difference. And then until Mariota proves that he can, you know, one, stay healthy, start to finish. And then they, you know, until they get over this Colts hump, I I don't know how much further they can go. But, uh, you know, and again, we talked about the weapons in Jacksonville. Not a lot of weapons, you know, top, top end talent offensively in, in, in Tennessee as well. So, you mentioned Malarkey. Wasn't he fired after they made the playoffs? Uh, I believe he was. Question. It was sort of like, yeah. really? They, they lost to Kansas City that year. I remember Marcus Merritt had a third touchdown pass to himself. Right. Yeah. But it was sort of out of the blue where I don't I don't remember there being rumblings and then they said, oh, we're moving on from the from yep. Malarkey. So they were nine and seven. They won the wild card. They won the wild card playoffs too. They beat the Chiefs twenty two twenty one. And they oh, lost yeah. in the divisional uh, round to the uh, to the Patriots, thirty five fourteen. So they even won a playoff game and still decided to fire. There, Mike had, to, again, there had to be something going on there internally. Yeah. But when you're changing coaches, you know, every couple of years, it's just, it, it's you know, it's stating the obvious. It's, it's not a good thing because you know it, 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 that's where everything starts from. It's yes, the GM, but it's the head coach who sets everything. So we'll see if Rabel's is the answer. He's sort of the no nonsense guy. But uh, it's a very interesting franchise. He took last year off, did uh, Mike Malarkey. It looks like looking at his resume, and he was just hired by the Atlanta Falcons as their tight ends coach uh, for this coming season. So that's a heck of a tight ends coach you got in Atlanta. And he has uh, Austin Hopper, I think, or Hoop. It, it's Hopper, not Hooper. Ugh. Oh, in boy. Atlanta? Yeah. I think it's Austin Hooper. Okay, it's Hooper. Never mind. Let's see. I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ever, never, nevertheless, that's a good young tight end there, and I don't know who else they have just off the top of my head, but um, that sounds like a pretty good tight ends coach to have um, in Mike Malarkey, who's he's worked his way up uh, in the past and shown that he could be a quality offensive coach. Um, and heck, you go to the playoffs, you win a playoff game, and you get fired. That's that's still. I I remember that happening. Now that we're talking about it, and it's just weird. Weird, weird, weird. Um, anyway, we've talked a bit about the Titans' offense, the Titans' defense. Uh, they have signed in this offseason uh, edge rusher Cameron Wake, 37 years old. That is not a young dude. Um, re-signed safety Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, cut safety Jonathan Cyprin. He started 10 games last year. And they drafted uh, their first-round pick is probably not going to provide much, if any, uh, benefit to them this year. Drafted defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State 19th overall he has a torn ACL not expected to play in 2019 but uh Simmons the uh, we talked about him in our draft preview several times a guy that was projected as a top 10 talent until he tore that ACL so he's a guy the Titans are making the uh the investment for and hoping for for more returns on that side of the ball and they did have a pretty good defensive uh year last year third fewest in points per game uh just allowing less than 19, fewer than 19 points per game. They allowed the eighth fewest yards per game in the league. And that's what Vrabel has to hang his hat on. He's a defensive coach, a former defensive star with the Patriots. And he showed in his first year as a head coach that he can still put out a pretty good defense. But when the offense doesn't you know, make that stand up, it just makes it so hard. It's, it's sort of you know, like Jacksonville revisited, no matter how good your defense is, no matter how close you keep the games, you've got to make those plays uh, second half of the fourth quarter. And again, with Mariota, they just, he, he's such a a tease, I guess. He, he just, hmm. he, you, you think you've got something, and maybe you do, but there's no, fra- I'm not sure there's a franchise, maybe Jacksonville's the other one, that they've, they've 
kind of cast their lot with a quarterback, and it hasn't worked, and it just it just sets you back. Hopefully, for the kid's sake, kid, hmm. for the player's sake, this is a year that he sort of stays healthy and the light goes on. But at what point? Well, we're at the point with Mariota. Mm-hmm. He either does it or he's gone. Mm-hmm. You have to move on. This has got to be make and break, and kind of an interesting case study because we also talked about Blake Bortles, them holding on to him too long, you know, and. We mentioned Mar- uh, Jameis Winston. He's got, kind of going through the same thing in Tampa Bay. And then this past year, we saw the opposite with Arizona cutting ties with Rosen after just one year. Yeah, kind of brings the question, you know, it, you never want to dump a pick that you invested so highly. You know, top, what, Mariota was second overall. Bortles, I think, was third overall. But at a certain point, it's time to cut your losses and move on. Do you guys think this is a make-or-break year for Mariota? I know you just said he did. You think he's gone if he doesn't? Well, because because if he's not gone, you've got to give him that big contract. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sign a one-year, ten million dollar contract to stay in Tennessee. Jacksonville just did that last year with Bortles. I was going to say, yeah, signed him and yeah. then cut him this right. year. And I was going to make that, I guess, the, the counter argument that hey, the Jaguars did the same thing. Like they, after Bortles' first contract was up, they did re-sign him uh, amid pressure or question whether they should or not. So I'm not saying that. It's it's make or break for Mariota. I don't think I would go quite that far, but um, boy, make would would go a lot better for him. Well, and again, what l- let's say he has another another Mariota year. They're nine and seven, and they're, and they're in the hunt until December, and then they don't get there. Then what do you do? And, and the the problem that people need to re- realize it's easy to say you get rid of him, you dump his butt. Well, what's what's your plan? B? What's next? You know, is it Ryan Tannehill? And if that's your case, I, I don't know what you're saying to your fan base. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think Ryan Tannehill is a very, very quality quarterback, but he's not top 15 in the league. So so if that's what you're going to move on to, Ryan, I think his was a one-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. One-year, $7 million, I believe. So, so that, and that's, that's, a, that's a really good contract for a backup. But again, like you mentioned, and, and it's, it bears watching what happens when – Mariota gets hurt again because he will because mm-hmm. he has and he's had concussion issues. I think he he may have gone out from a Colts game with a concussion. Mm-hmm. I remember he had the nerve thing. In that's what it, that's what it was a nerve with a pinched nerve in his arm. Correct. He lost feeling. But when he go if and when he goes out and I'll say when because it'll happen. And Tannehill comes in and lights and lights things up. Although that's not his <laughs> that's not his that's not his mo, MO either. either. Yeah. But. Uh, I just if you're Tennessee and you see more of the same from Mariota, which is maybe not awful but not great, what do you do? You and again you you've got to have Plan B before you cut Plan A. If you don't have a quarterback, you're looking for a quarterback in the NFL. Two teams in the AFC South have them: Andrew Luck for the Colts, Deshaun Watson for the Texans. So those are the two teams that we figure are probably the favorites because they have the quarterback. Exactly correct. And the other two teams are still in the maybe hunt. Um, so at this time of the year, before the season, when we are just guessing, when we're putting our best foot forward and saying, eh, this could happen, that's why the, the Colts and Texans kind of uh, take the cake. Even though certainly some talent on these other two teams, as we've seen, both of them, the other two teams, the Titans and the Jaguars, made the playoffs just two years ago. So... Could be another interesting year in the well, AFC and, and South. Again, I, I tend to give the Colts the slight edge over Houston, and for no other reason than uh, the Colts win twice down there in, in in games that you simply had to win. Yep. In December, in the first round of the playoffs, the one game they lost last year was the Frank Reich overtime, overtime. mono Imano game, and you know it, it didn't work out. But uh, I I just think the Colts are better suited. Their arrows, a little, their, their roster is more full and complete than what Tex- the Houston Texans have. And doesn't it – it feels like the Colts are trending up, whereas Houston is just kind of treading water. We talked about them last week, and we're like, they're not really worse, but we're not really sure they're better. They added pieces to offensive line, but are these rookies going to be able to contribute? They just don't feel like they've gone anywhere, whereas the Colts, everyone's excited about the direction they're heading. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? I mean, it's, we're, we're sitting here in, in mid-June. Something's going to happen. It's ne- it's, <laughs> it's, I, I would much rather be under the radar and have, you know, and I'm sure to some level Frank Reich would too. You'd, you'd mm-hmm. rather be sort of not not the, 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 the flavor of choice in June, uh, but that that's where they are. And, again, I think it's always it's 
always better to have expectations than to say, we're, we're going to show you. When you're not printing up T-shirts that say 32 like Pagano did or mm. or, or having the placard like, like Frank Reich pulled out last year. But uh, there's no questions. This Colts team, as we stand in June, whatever this is, the 20th, whatever it is, that this is a team that, barring injury, significant injury at a significant position, it, it should be there in December, not only for the AFC South title, but perhaps something more because it's just, and it, it's not, it, it's simply stepping back and looking at the roster, looking at the quarterback, looking at Justin Houston and T.Y. Hilton and some difference makers. Until proven otherwise, to me, this is the team to beat in the AFC South. And that is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. Joe has something more to say, though. We're I not make done. A, I want to make a correction. I made a mistake earlier. Mike, you're right. Sean Payton has been around the coach in New Orleans one year longer than Mike Tomlin. Yeah, see, I, sometimes I know what I'm talking about. See, I, I can in the podcast without correcting that, so I apologize. Good. We would have had to have like another two minute podcast, like to send out like apology accepted. That Joe would have had to be tarred and feathered live right, on shame. the podcast. Exactly. Ring the bell going down the street. The shame bell. Anyway, that is the 100 percent accurate. Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining us throughout these uh, weeks. Although these next weeks are going to be some time off for the Colts players before they resume for training camp, we will still be delivering content, if not on a weekly basis, at least an every other week basis for sure, and hopefully even more than that. We have some plans to give you um, some interviews that we've done throughout um, throughout the mini camp period, a slew of Colts. I think it's about 11 or 12 different interviews we have, whether it's Frank Reich, Nick Sirianna, Matt Eberflus, and the coaching staff. And that's some good, I'm telling you, that's some good stuff from and, the coordinators. Yeah, you can dive into that. And that that's exactly what uh, I, I'm sure that people who listen to a Colts podcast want to hear, want to hear the coordinators really go into a little bit of detail. About they, they tell you why. Exactly. They, they really do give you some good information. And, and they're both good talkers. They're both guys who are, who are smart, who are, uh, who are well-spoken and can really explain their point of view and their, their strategy well without giving away too many things, of course. Correct. J- just a few things, a few tidbits to, to, to give you a taste of what to expect this coming season. He's Mike Chappell at mchappell51 on Twitter. I'm Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports on Twitter. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. And, of course, you can follow the Colts Blue Zone at Colts Blue Zone. All of that on Twitter. So we'll see you in the next couple weeks with uh, some of those mini camp interviews with coaches and players. And uh, until then, take care, and we'll see you next time on the Blue Zone. <laughs>